Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two ministers of God's economy who served together in China for nearly 20 years. Watchman Nee was imprisoned by the Chinese government in 1952 and remained there until his death in 1972. Following his imprisonment, Witness Lee carried on this ministry in Taiwan and eventually in America and ultimately around the world. He served the Lord for more than 70 years before going to be with him in 1997. His major contribution was through a 21-year labor he called Life Study, an exhaustive commentary on the entire Bible. This program is based on those messages. Before we join today's show, we'd like to give you our website where you can find more programs just like this one. It's lsmradio.org. Again, lsmradio.org. Radio.org. Now, here's our show today. Deuteronomy includes a lengthy portion where God, through Moses, is instituting his divine government among his people Israel. Divine government means government by God and according to what God is. This is called theocracy. It is neither democracy, a government according to the opinions of the people, nor is it autocracy, which is government by a dictator or a monarchy. Many people may be apprehensive about this term because throughout history it has often been misapplied. But according to the Old Testament picture, there is a genuine theocracy, maybe not among earthly nations, but certainly among God's people, a theocracy that reflects the person of God, the God of love and of righteousness and holiness, and absolute fairness and justice. And so in the coming few programs, we want to keep this view of God, the God who knows man and man's condition and what man needs to be preserved for his eternal purpose. Ron Kangas has joined us as we take an overview of this important and meaningful portion of Scripture. Ron, welcome to the program. Uh, Thank you for the invitation to participate in this particular program introducing quite a marvelous subject of theocracy, of the rule of God, uh, I hope that we can be very exercised in our spirit and with our understanding so that we will not consider this or understand this in a natural human way according to earthly politics. Uh, However, we shouldn't allow the fear of possible misunderstanding to cause us to shy away from any portion of the Holy Word, in particular a portion such as these chapters in Deuteronomy that unveil the rule of God, that reveal theocracy, the direct rule of God according to what he is. 
Of course, because this is from Deuteronomy, the immediate application of the record is to the children of Israel. But a principle in understanding the Old Testament is that the things written were written actually not mainly for Israel, but for Christ. Mm -hmm. That Christ would be prophesied, that he would be signified and typified, and eventually to be revealed. And what is spoken concerning Christ eventually involves the church as the corporate expression of Christ. Furthermore, Israel is a type of us, the believers, the church people today. So there must be a spiritual reality in the church life that corresponds to the outward picture of theocracy among the children of Israel in the book of Deuteronomy. We're studying Deuteronomy, of course, but we're studying it in the way of life to see how the points, rightly interpreted, may be applied to us in our experience of Christ as life for the corporate expression of Christ as life according to God's economy in life. Ron, uh, I appreciate many things that you just touched on, but a couple I'd like to maybe underscore uh, as we set the stage for this fellowship that will span three or four days, uh, most of this week, actually. You mentioned that this is a life study of Deuteronomy, and one of the reasons we wanted to have this uh, overview program to begin this portion is that we did not want our covering these points to be reduced or at least to be understood or taken on the part of the listener as just uh, some ethical or moral teachings. And some of the points and the details when you get into them can sound like that. That doesn't mean we're minimizing ethics or morality. Quite the contrary. They become uh, very evident when you look at this portion of the word. But the connection there that I wanted to draw our attention to is this matter of God governing his people according to Uh, and I used it in the introduction, you also used it in your uh, opening here just now, according to what God is. This is uh, more than just principles for man to live by. This is another picture of what God is, isn't it? Exactly. However, an ethical understanding is already within us. We may read this into the Word, or we may limit the revelation in the Word because of this prior understanding. There are various precepts and principles, but these precepts and principles are related to living in the divine theocracy, and that living according to those principles are actually an unveiling of what God is. A principle concerning righteousness reveals that God is righteous and just. A principle concerning removing the boundaries or not degrading your brother even when he's being disciplined, Uh, reveal other aspects of God in his love and light and holiness and righteousness. So ultimately, God is revealed in this record concerning life under God's theocracy because a theocracy is the rule of God according to what he is. So we would say it's incumbent upon God to reveal what he is so that we may know how to live in a theocracy established according to what he is. The crucial point is that we relate all the laws and principles to a revelation of what God is in his divine government, that is, 
in this theocracy. We could very much also, I think, draw uh, an analogy to uh, the life study that we had of Matthew, particularly those chapters, that large portion of Matthew devoted to what Witness Lee, how he described it as the constitution of the kingdom. Uh, That is another description of this theocracy, isn't it? It is. The principle is the same, that in Matthew we have the kingdom of the heavens in its reality, and this is Christ the King ruling in our inner being in the way of life, but the context for that ruling in the way of life is the church life. So what is a theocracy in Deuteronomy is the kingdom of the heavens in Matthew. The principle is the same. The government God wants is the government that not only he has, but that he is, which is a rule according to what he is. This involves the matter, not only the unveiling of what God is, but a recognition of God's authority, of God's right to rule over us, and of our need gladly to be under the submission to God's governmental rule. This is a crucial matter, neglected among most Christians, but crucial in the Scriptures And we welcome the opportunity in these series of programs to consider the matter of theocracy, not applying it, of course, in an outward political way, but applying it in spirit, in life, in Christ, and in the church as the body of Christ, where we may learn to live in reality, in the kingdom, in the theocracy. Well, let's join Witness Lee for our first portion today, and I'd like to set it up by reading a couple of verses from chapter 16 of Deuteronomy, and these talk about the appointment of judges and officers. And once again, as we consider theocracy, we're considering government that is really a picture of what God is, and so certainly those whom he appointed and empowered with his responsibility and authority needed to be ones that themselves matched him to a large degree. Okay, here's chapter 16. It says, You shall appoint for yourself judges and officers in all your cities which Jehovah your God is giving you, according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. You shall not distort justice. You shall not respect persons, nor shall you take a bribe. For a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and perverts the words of the righteous. Righteousness and only righteousness you shall pursue in order that you may live and possess the land which Jehovah your God is giving to you. Righteousness, very much emphasized in this passage as he is once again appointing the judges and officers. Let's join Witness Lee with our first segment. We have to know today in the church we don't exercise neither autocracy, dictatorship, nor democracy according to people's opinion. But we like to honor God's authority as our government. And this is what we call theocracy, God's government. Firstly, you must have the judges to keep God's justice. The divine government pays attention, firstly, to the justice. Even today, any government on this earth which does not practice justice, that government, sooner or later, will be over, right? A strong government must be one 
that is built upon justice. Everything must be just. Everything must be fair. Everything must be right, right? This is justice. So firstly, in the divine government, theocracy, God sets up the judges. Then after judges, you have the officers to carry out all the things that has been decided. And this is the administration. You can see all the divine wisdom. Ron, we did see a, a strong emphasis here on the character or the uh, attributes of these ones that were set up to be the judges and rulers. There's a portion that will come up in uh, another program uh, of not only were judges and officers set up, but ultimately the children of Israel nearly insisted that God would allow them to have a king. And uh, this is talked about in First Samuel uh, quite much. But the Lord uh, desired to be the king himself, the unique king, but as he indulged their desire for a king, he did it with a very strong uh, provision, and that is in chapter 17. Let me read this and then have you kind of jump in at that point. In chapter 17, it says, And when he, the king, sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write out for himself a copy of this law in a book, and it shall be with him, and he shall read in it all the days of his life, in order that he may learn to fear Jehovah his God so that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers, and he may not turn aside from the commandments to the right or to the left. This is a very applicable word even for us today in the church, isn't it? It is most applicable. It is a lovely picture, and I don't want to be overly personal or subjective, but this is one of my favorite portions in Deuteronomy, where you have a king that's appointed obviously with certain amount of authority and responsibility. But the king himself was required daily to pursue God's word, that a copy of this law was to be written out. He himself was to devote himself to the reading, to the meditating upon God's law indicating that the king was not to govern according to his own whim or opinion or personal feeling or preference, much less not according to bias or temper or any personal interest, financial or otherwise. So the king himself needed to be someone who was ruled by God through the word of God. This is a theocracy that is a rule according to what God is. The king is not to replace God. The king is to represent God. So the king must know God in his revelation of what he, God, is. And that revelation is in the word of God, in the scriptures written. So this is a marvelous scene of a king representing God's government. But this king is saturated, Mm. permeated, and constituted with God's word. If God's word can become wrought into the very being of the king, then that king will truly represent 
God as he is. Otherwise, and sadly, this was the history in the books of the kings. The majority of the kings did not represent God, did not rule according to what God is, and that led to tragedy, not only for him and his family, but for the nation. But here the picture is positive, and we need to be enlightened by it. If we ever hope in God's full salvation to reign in life and even to be co-kings with Christ in the coming age of the kingdom, we need to be kings in training, so to speak, who are daily immersed in the word of God and constituted with it. So the Lord will have people whom he can trust to represent him and through whom he can rule. Mm. And I'd love to say this again, according to what What he he is. is. I couldn't help but think of... uh, David, as you were fellowshipping this point and as we read this passage, just that phrase that here is one who was according to God's heart, and therefore uh, there was a a kind of a representation there that really did match God in a a very uh, genuine way, didn't it? Yes, and of course we know, the whole world knows about David's failure, but he is still called the king. He is considered the paradigm, the model of a king. And he was the kind of king that took the Lord as his shepherd, as we all know. He was the kind of king who meditated upon God's word, as we need to know. So we see in his reign a king who was according to God's heart and was in God's word. And for the most part, ruled according to what God is. So when David was on the throne, God was on the throne, and Israel Mm. was a theocracy. For our last very brief segment, Ron, we selected a portion, actually you referred to it a a moment ago, and I think I'll just let Witness Lee develop this point, and then we'll fellowship a bit about it. The judgment on a dispute brought before the children of Israel. There might be something as a kind of a dispute. You say you are right, and I say I am right. So what? We too cannot judge it. We have to bring this matter before the children of Israel. And they approached the court. The judges were to justify the righteous and condemn the wicked. Right? Paul in First uh, Corinthians chapter 16 does say the church is a little court. So if we have some cases, some disputes, we have to bring our disputes to the congregation of the church. Let the church people judge it. If the wicked was worthy of beating, the judge was to make him lie down and have him beaten as was sufficient for his wickedness. Don't beat without limit. Don't beat without measure. So the next item says 40 blows the judge could give him. It's quite meaningful. When you condemn a brother, don't condemn exceedingly. When you talk a brother about a brother's wrongdoing, you better be careful. Not too much. To degrade a brother in people's eyes is sinful. Don't forget that brother has been purchased 
with a great price. That is the blood of the Lord. This is what to keep the justice among God's people. Ron, you mentioned that that past section was one that uh, you appreciated very much in this life study. I had the same feeling. I also have the feeling about this one, and I also don't want to uh, engage in overindulged sentiment here. But this matter of uh, one who is offended and, and who is wrong and suffers the judgment, a righteous judgment, but uh, the picture here of the judge limiting the number of stripes that uh, uh, this guilty one would receive so as not to degrade him in the eyes of his brothers. This really reveals something very, very precious about God, doesn't it? It does. It reveals a marvelous aspect of what God is. God is righteous. In his kingdom, there must be justice. Where justice is violated, there must be some just measure of discipline. Uh, that's the way it is. And so we have a case of a wrongdoer uh, receiving discipline. But according to our fallen nature, when we feel we're right and others are wrong, it's very easy for us to be unrestrained in our expression of judgment or criticism or condemnation. And God is not like this, and if we are like this, we are not living in the theocracy according to what God is. That even though God disciplines one of his people, he never disciplines in a way to cause that one to be degraded, uh, to be dishonored. He always has an appreciation for every one of us, so he disciplines on the one hand, but while he's disciplining, there is a limit. And that the motive for that limit is not only justice, it's compassion, it's love, it's graciousness, it's kindness, it's God's appreciation for his people, his regarding each one of his children as a treasure. So when he disciplines, he surely disciplines, but he never ceases to be what he is in caring for and having regard for his people, every one of whom is precious to him. So we need to learn of him when we face difficult situations where there may have to be some type of discipline according to God's righteousness. Uh, we're limited, and we don't go too far. And we don't degrade anyone. If we fail in this matter, it's not only a personal failure. It is the failure to represent God in his government according to what he is. So how we need to know him and what he is and allow him in Christ as the Spirit to live in him as he is so that we may live in the kingdom, expressing him according to what he is. Thank you for your fellowship. You're welcome. We'll be back with more life studies from the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, let me leave you with our toll-free number. It's 1-888-543-3788. That spells out life study, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. Once again, 888-543-3788. 
888-788-8888, or you can write to us at Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee spent seven decades in the 20th century speaking Christ, first in Asia and then North America, eventually all over the world. The culmination of those 70 years of ministry was his Life Study of the Bible, an exhaustive exposition of the entire scriptures. This unique commentary focuses on how Christ can be life to man in an experiential and practical way. These programs encapsulate Witnessly speaking in just 26 minutes. But to get the complete riches, visit lifestudy.com. From there you can read all of the Life Study messages in their entirety or download any of our more than 1,700 audio programs at no cost. Again, that website is lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.